Hello, and welcome to the episodic audiobook series where I read you books that I have written. There's also improv ambient scores as well. For this book, we are covering Into the Macrocosm, short stories of the dark cosmic, bizarre, and the fantastic. This is episode four, and it is a continuation from episode three, two, and one. Even though they are short stories and standalone, there is an overarching storyline about the Nameless One and Malferetti's. In the last episode, we got to look into a sci-fi futuristic world in the short story known as Harvesters. So the Nameless One witnessed this experience and is returning to the midway where Malferetti's awaits. So if you haven't, definitely check out the previous episodes or jump in right now and uh, get caught up. So let's take a look at what happens next to The Nameless One and what new short story is in store for us today. Three. What? You think. That's your thought. You're separating from the observer once more, returning to your new body in the midway. You take a few steps back as your vision returns. Your heart is racing while you catch your breath. The tenseness of the situation dissipates and your muscles roar to life, sending your arms flailing wildly. What was that? You ask, gaining full control of yourself once more. Your breath is fast as you try to comprehend the strange world you observed. What was what? Malferetti's asks. Spaceships, plasma guns, I don't know. People were being treated like cattle. They killed them. Not everything you see is going to be light and fun, Malferetti says. You're going to see horrors that will rattle you to the very core. I... uh, that's too much. You rub your head, thinking back to what you saw. Those poor people. Anything else? Malferetti's asks. No, I can't think of anything. It, It was so alien. Malferetti's dips his claw into the bowl again. So we went too far into the future. Let's dial it back. Can we take a break? You ask. Malferetti's blinks, seeming startled by your words. For what? It was so intense, I don't know. Exactly. Except the fact that what you are seeing is happening, has happened and is going to happen. A chaotic mess of the now. More space-time stuff? Precisely, Malferetti says, hovering above you. Open wide, he says with a toothy grin. You sigh and look up at the droplet as Malferetti taps his claw, giving you no chance to collect your thoughts. What you saw was just another's life. You were the observer seeing some unknown distant future. Where will the ghoul send you now? You wonder if knowing your past is even worth witnessing these horrific events. It's too late to think about it. The liquid falls, your eye stings, and down the rabbit hole you go again. Inspirer. A beeping noise erupts from the smooth chrome smartwatch that wraps around the man's wrist underneath the cuff of his white dress shirt. Its flashing LED screen and the desk lamp highlight the man's aging, worn face in the dark office. 
The watch's noise is indicating that it is now 10 p.m. That's the second alarm for the meds. Usually, the sound would be of high importance to the man, but today is different. It's Friday, and he would normally have been home at this hour. Instead, here he is, at the office. Friday is a day celebrated amongst the working class. After hauling ass for eight hours, five times a week, Friday paves the way to the glorious weekend where you can finally spend time doing what you enjoy and seeing the people you love, presuming you have such people. That's an important note. Douglas, how could you not see this coming? A man's raspy, smoker's voice pierces through the silence from the other end of the large office. The window blinds are open, giving a high view of the other downtown skyscrapers, and he sits, cross-legged, on the leather chair, the moonlight reflecting against his polished black shoes. The man named Douglas taps a smartwatch to stop it from beeping and leans against his wooden desk, looking over his shoulder toward the metropolis night. The second man is too difficult to see in the dim room. You knew that Allen Oil Sight Solutions was downsizing. I am unsure why you worked so hard, considering the direction of the economy, too. You thought you could somehow prove your worth? Douglas grits his teeth, knowing exactly what the man is referring to. He swallows the thick lump of saliva building in his mouth from the tension, recalling the sharp plummet of Alberta's economy. Many people lost their jobs and became homeless, and families are starving. Douglas had believed that if he put in the extra time at work, he'd be irreplaceable. You've spent your whole life religiously working and working, dedicating yourself to the plans you've made for the future. So focused on the end game. Douglas clenches his fist and snaps. What's your point? The second man's voice softens. It's not fair. Douglas looks down at the table where a third of a bottle of scotch remains besides some sticky notes, prescription bottles, and his laptop. Well, technically, now it's the company's computer. He exhales heavily while shaking his head. How could I have let this happen? You gave it your all, Douglas. But hey, on the bright side, they liked you enough to let you clean out your stuff. Imagine how embarrassing it would have been being escorted out by security. Douglas's head pulsates with frustration as he tries to piece together how he managed to get himself fired. If I had worked just a little more each day, maybe I could have proven to them I was worth keeping. I admire you, Douglas. It is why we have had such a good relationship. From an early age, you were always determined. Good grades, worked hard, and got what you wanted. Nothing stood in your way. Men desire that kind of ability. Douglas presses his lips together, eyeing the stack of documents and proposals he had yet to get to. But was it worth it? My job, Ashley and the kids. His voice trembles when mentioning his family. After focusing his life on work, this is what he got. I've been your friend for as long as I can remember, and I hate to see you go through this. I, I, I don't understand what I could have done differently. He wipes his face and extends his hand to the stack of papers. What were they thinking firing me? These will never get looked at. 
Douglas determines he needs to wash away his emotions. They're no use now. He snatches the bottle of scotch, tilting it back and consuming a large gulp of the strong liquor. The liquid burns from his mouth down to his stomach. I gave Ashley everything she wanted. You sure did, bud. Douglas slams the bottle down, turning to look up at the stars. His left hand holds the cross pendant on his neck. Why would God do this? He mumbles. God? I ask the same question, Douglas. It has to make you wonder, does it not? Douglas presses his eyes shut, squeezing the cross pendant. I've been a supportive, loyal husband to Ashley. Yes, but she's not the same as you. Her eyes wander. Hell, even to me, you know it. Douglas says nothing. Don't worry, I've never fucked her. Women are complicated creatures. Their mystery is what makes them so desirable. If you ask me. However, one thing is obvious. Work isn't sexy, Douglas. And Allen Oil Sight Solutions? Your wife is basically sandpaper down there. Douglas clutches the pendant harder, feeling the metal edges press into his skin as he shakes his hand. I swear, I never did, the man says. Douglas brushes the disgusting thought of them plowing aside and says, I've brought in more revenue in one year than this company has seen in two. Agreed. If anything, you should be praised as a hero. Look at how they repay their heroes. Take the profits and boot your ass to the curb. You're a good man. Companies take advantage of good men. Especially this place. Allen Oilocyte Solutions eats people up. Douglas looks down at his right hand, a tan line revealing where his wedding ring once was. He stares at the strip of pale skin, recalling how Ashley would yell at him for months for working too late. The yelling turned into silent aggression and, eventually, a handwritten letter outlining that she was filing for a divorce. She took his boys. Douglas's lips begin to tremor, nostrils flaring. Energy seeps through his core containing sorrow and rage. The blood pumps to his head, making his face pink. It looks like the booze is kicking in. He tries to stay calm, with little luck. The man speaks. You were more willing to spend your time making money to improve your family's way of life. Maybe even have the peace of mind that you became the son your father wanted. Douglas's father flashes before his eyes recalling what the man had said to him on his deathbed. You never learn. The memory is as real to Douglas as standing in the office. The words strike his heart heavy. A beat skips. For years, Douglas tried to make his father proud, but it never seemed to be enough. His father passed away shortly after his wife, Douglas's mother, left him. Your father went through the same hurdles as you. Douglas cut in, which is why he said what he did. You don't need to remind me. The man shrugs. History repeats itself. It must have broken your father's heart to see you take the same steps as him. I thought it was what he wanted. I thought it was what my family needed. I thought it was what I wanted. You can keep sulking around asking yourself if it was what you wanted or not. Nothing is going to change anything. The truth is, 
you got yourself here. Fired and on the way to a divorce. Douglas turns to look at the man. I didn't know. I didn't think it. You didn't put any thought into anything at all, dimwit. The man's voice booms as he stands. You just made a bunch of assumptions about what you and everyone else wanted. Douglas shakes his head, looking to the ground. The weight of shame makes his limbs weak and his shoulders shrivel. The other man takes several steps closer to the light, exposing his white suit, pale, lean jaw, and frowning mouth. He speaks. You were so blindsided with assuming you were making the right decisions that you never stopped to ask yourself if you were. The words sink Douglas's chest. His heart pounds heavily, begging to escape. The comments are thoughts that he have long resided in the back of his mind, and yet, Douglas never actually put them together into a complete idea. Now, hearing them spoken to him, he can't grasp how he never realized it before. With your career down the tube, honestly, Douglas, what do you have left? Douglas turns around and rests his head against the glass window. His eyes close as a single tear runs down his cheek. Nothing. I can try to start over. He opens his eyes, seeing a faint reflection of his now wrinkling face and the several dozen gray hairs sprouting from his balding head. It has to be the lighting. You're old, Douglas. I am 47. I can start anew. The man laughs. Look at yourself. You're speaking more lies to reassure yourself that your first impulsive thought is the right course of action? That attitude is what brought you here. You can't start again. The stress you endured from this job has aged you far more than you think. Douglas's work had always been his passion. He relished in spending repetitive weeknights wrapping up the last email of the day, weekends dedicated to side projects to get a raise, downing four to six cups of coffee a day, and eating endless amounts of takeout food. Oh, he was so blind to the drive he had that he was oblivious to what it was doing to his well-being. Don't even get me started on what your dating life is going to be like now. Fuck! Look at your lard ass! The man sighs. The grim silence is strengthening his words. You blew it, Douglas. You really did. As I said, I've always admired you, but the irony is that, through all your success, you managed to be unsuccessful in your happiness. Douglas hears the man take a couple more steps. He dares not look back. What would be the point? He's an ashamed dog. Each word the man speaks unravels more truth that Douglas has spent the years trying to cover up by working harder and keeping his eyes on the prize. Pay off his home, a retirement plan, and funds for his son's college. The man slaps his hands together. So, what's the plan? What could you possibly do to revive yourself? You're looking at divorce papers, legal fees, maybe seeing your kids once a week, losing the house, debt, probably half of your shit too. What can I do? That's what I'm asking you, Douglas. You said you wanted to start over. There's nothing left, Douglas says softly. Nothing but decades of headaches, if not the rest of your life, the man says. Douglas raises his head, forehead smearing against the glass. 
He looks at the man in the reflection, seeking guidance. The man shrugs. I know if I had caught myself in this predicament that you're in, I'd ask myself, what are my options? Douglas bites his lip, trying to think of what he has. His hands are sweaty, but his body is cold. What cards can he draw to pull himself out of this downward spiral? The more he thinks, the more he realizes his hands are tied. He has no savings. The chances of him getting a job are slim with the way Alberta's economy is. I messed up. I know. I had an amazing life, and I pushed it aside to work more, thinking I could get the life I wanted. Douglas sniffles, stopping some mucus from escaping his nostril. You're right, that is irony. I did have the life I wanted. What would you do? The man sways his head side to side. I've always believed that drastic situations call for drastic actions. Douglas nods, waiting for more words of wisdom. You and I are not so different. We're both men of action, which is the one thing that gives results. Talk is cheap. Douglas turns towards the man, eyeing his extended hand, which points towards the bottle of scotch beside the prescription bottle. Douglas jumps. His smartwatch is beeping again, another reminder to take those damn pills. He silences it and rubs his hands across his eyes, feeling them burn from the lack of hydration. He sure will feel a hangover tomorrow. I've drunk enough. It's not going to solve anything for me. The bottle is a tool for a more permanent solution, my friend, the man says, nodding towards the window. Douglas's eyes widen, realizing what the man is saying. Could I? He thinks. Based on the conversation, his future seems rather bleak. Is his life worth going through all the effort? It could so easily come to an end. Right here. Right now. Just to keep your head above water is far more of a struggle than what I would want. There's comfort in an eternity of silence. Can Douglas go through with this? He's unsure and clenches his teeth. The years of headaches could end so quickly. I could stop it all, he thinks. The man speaks. Look at it this way. Do you honestly think that anyone would miss you? Your dad is dead, and the extended family is halfway across the country. When was the last time you heard from them anyway? Douglas's family is torn an obvious fact that they didn't need to discuss. Douglas grabs hold of his cross pendant again. This is crazy. I can't end it all. Psalm 34:17 clearly says when the righteous cry for help, the Lord hear. Don't give me that bullshit. Come on. If God honestly existed, do you think you would find yourself in this situation? You've been rehearsing his commandments for as long as I've known you, and yet here you are. God works in mysterious ways. The man laughs. That's a cop-out if I ever heard one. Douglas has no ammunition. The man is right. All the worship has led him into a corner with no way out. Trying to convince himself more than anything at the moment, he asks himself, How can God turn his back on me like this? Now he is alone. No one is here for me, he thinks. You have no one on your side, Douglas. Your beliefs, your family, 
your work, and your whole life has been chucked aside in one giant swoop. Douglas scowls, snapping the necklace holding the cross. Everyone has fucked me over, he mutters. They truly have, except for me. I've always been a voice of reason, and it doesn't come easy for me to give such honesty. I care about your well-being, and you rarely trust me or even return my calls. Now, who is with you in your darkest hour? I'd be starting from nothing, and for what? Douglas says, clutching his hair. He paces back and forth behind the desk, tugging on the sparse gray strands so tightly his eyes water. What the hell is he doing? His heart races. The headache pounds relentlessly. Can I go through with this? The better question, Douglas, is why do you keep trying to hold on to this joke of a life? You have nothing, and you have no one, the man says. Douglas releases his hair and hugs his arms, adding up all the challenges that are ahead of him. It's just a void. Maybe stop trying to live a life based on your impulsive choices and make some rational moves for once by doing yourself a favor. He points at the bottle with a stern finger. This is insane. Insane? Wasting your life the way you did with repetitive action was insane. You could have had a life worthwhile, but it's too late for that now. I threw everything I, I ever wanted away. I'm a fuck up. Powerful energy surges through Douglas's whole body, energy accumulated from the years of buried stress, frustration, and lack of fulfillment. These suppressed emotions force their way to the surface of his consciousness, expressing through his shaking body. I've wasted my life for people who don't care. Exactly. Fuck them. Do something for you this time. Fuck them, Douglas shouts. Do it for you, Douglas. Douglas lets out a howl at the top of his lungs, face burning red, grabbing the liquor on the desk. He knocks over the container of pills, chucking the bottle from his hand. It spins a couple of times before the thick bottom collides into the glass window, shattering it on impact. Gusts of cold wind funnel into the room, blowing documents from the desk and into the air. No more thoughts. No more reasoning. No more projects, work, disappointed father and family. This is for Douglas. He dashes towards the window, still shouting in a blind rage. With no hesitation, he leaps from the window. His stomach lifts upward as he leaves the ground, seeing that the next surface is now hundreds of feet below him. As Douglas falls, his smartwatch beeps again. He forgot to take his pills. The cool air and gravity blast him with sobriety. His pills. The damn pills. His mind had worked against him. Douglas knows he fucked up this time. He glances back up to the window where the man stands laughing hysterically. The night sky casts enough light, revealing Douglas's balding face on the man's body, the reflection of himself. His mind lost the mental battle. The man vanishes like smoke. Those damn pills. Through the gushing winds, Douglas hears the man's voice loud and clear as if he were beside him. I look forward to your permanent stay, Douglas. I've waited for this day for a long time. Douglas's stomach sinks deeper than the pressure of his accelerating body. 
Was it those damn pills? His mind works frantically. What is life after death? Did he just jump off a building because he forgot his pills? Is that man a figment of his broken mind or something supernatural? He decides to try and reason with anyone listening. Maybe this can all be reversed. He shouts. No, I didn't mean to. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. God, please. Too late. And that is the end of episode four for Into the Macrocosm. And if you can't wait for the next episode, you can always grab the full audiobook, ebook, or print on all the major distributors like Amazon, Kobo, and Apple. So until then, I'll catch you next week and share with your friends. Take care. Ciao.